Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. I am really excited for today and next week. We are opening uh, really two very powerful conversations and how our relationship with Jesus plays out in reality. One of the things we've kind of said from the beginning as a church is that healthy families can have hard conversations. And that is just going to be a staple of our church. Uh, And and like I shared last week, we are always going to be a church that falls out on what we call the Imago Dei. And it's just Latin for being made in the image of God. And so on a fundamental level, we believe every human being is made in the image and likeness of God, therefore deserving of love, respect, honor, care, all these things that flow from what a loving relationship from the Heavenly Father to us would look like to other people. And in fact, if, if, if you look at Jesus, right, he boils down the entire thing and he's like, love God, love others, right? And so at the core of this conversation is what does it look like to love my neighbor? Um, and so today we have a wonderful guest with us, uh, somebody that I've known, now known for almost two years, right? Uh, Destiny Smith. So would you put your hands together and welcome Destiny Smith as she comes up and um, go ahead and have a seat wherever you'd like. Pick your best side and I'll, I'll take the other one, you know, and, and, uh, and we'll, uh, we're going to start. But uh, Destiny's part of the Ann campaign. She uh, moved down here to South Florida. We'll talk more about that in just a second. Uh, and today the core of our conversation is really racial reconciliation, uh, justice, Uh, equality, advocacy, and Destiny has done a phenomenal job. She's young, but she's full of a lot of knowledge and power, and really, uh, I mean, she's really called to this. And so when I got to know her and her ministry, what she's doing and how she's helping the community here in South Florida. For the last couple of years, we've kind of just been on and off. I've been connecting her and meeting, and, and it's been kind of a fun journey so far to this point. So I'm really excited and honored to have her today, and I'm excited to open up this conversation. And as we said as a church, at least once or two times a year, we're going to keep this as a part of the conversation in our church. What, is, what does this look like to go forward as the body of Christ? Um, and so before we jump into that, that too much, uh, Destiny, tell us a little bit about yourself you're from the beautiful city of Washington, D.C. I love, everybody been to D.C. in the fall? It's beautiful. You should go to D.C. in the fall. It's amazing. Uh, so how did you get down here? How did South Florida get in your heart? Give us a little bit about you, and we'll jump in today's conversation. So, yeah, so um, first, I just want to say um, thank you for the honor of being here. I feel like I'm amongst family, so this is going to be a family conversation, yes. everybody. This isn't like an awkward like Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> this is, we're amongst beloved family, so um, thank you again for inviting me, but Yeah, I'm Destiny Smith. I um, came to South Florida about almost three years ago um, by way of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from uh, Washington, D.C., as Pastor Matt just said. And yeah, South Florida has been on my heart for a really long time. I became a Christian in 2015 um, and went on my first missions trip down here to South Florida and felt like God was like, speaking so profoundly like that this was where he was calling me to be um and it's so it took several years for me to end up getting down here um you know of course with finishing up school when i was in um i went to emory university in atlanta and so finishing up school and then feeling like god was calling me on mission um in atlanta georgia for two years to understand and to learn how to do nonprofit work and then he just sent me out here um to south florida in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, actually. So perfect um, timing, right? Perfect yeah, timing, perfect yeah, timing, yeah, literally. Right when COVID became, when Miami became the epicenter for COVID, I was like, great, I brought it, great, this is great. great. So yeah, but God has just really been putting South Florida on my heart, um, the passion for this ministry, for for doing His work, for doing His will, in terms of justice and, and loving on the community here. And so, 
yeah, that's just how I got here. A, a mix of toss and turns, but ultimately um, the Lord is bringing me down here and, and, and planting me here in South Florida. I love it. I love it. So let's segue into your lift group. So Destiny is leading a lift group for us. Uh, it is based off of and campaign material and the book and everything, which brings up so many healthy and powerful and important conversations the body of Christ must have now and into the next 50 to 100 years. Um, and, and so, if, again, if you, if you want a lift group, you haven't joined one yet, consider uh, Destiny's. You can go to our, our website and jump on, jump on hers. Um, now, and one of the cool things that we get to do today, and Destiny knows this is coming, so this is not a surprise. Because of your giving, we get to give her a check to launch the end campaign chapter here in South Florida. With the heart of this conversation continuing and continuing and continuing. Um, and that's, that's an exciting thing. Uh, now, let's just open the conversation. Tell us a little bit about the end campaign a little bit about your lift group, and then, then we'll dive into some of these topics and start the convo. So, yeah, yeah, so um, the Ant Campaign is a Christian organization that seeks to organize and mobilize Christians um, all across the nation, um, but in local spheres of influence to engage in faithful and biblical policy engagement and civic engagement in their communities. And so really what the Ant Campaign is doing is teaching individuals in the church how do they live out their faith. How do you live out your faith on an everyday basis? How do you apply what you're learning in the Bible to policy decisions, to how you actively love your neighbors um, down the street from you, the people that are in your building if you're in an apartment building? How do you truly love on your neighbors, and what does that look like um, through policy? And not just on one side of the aisle or the other, but what does it look like to be faithful in your engagement and hold fast and firm to the biblical truths, but at the same time affirming human dignity um, affirming love of your neighbors and that being the central core values that they follow. So. so good. And it is such an important conversation. We could be here for the next five hours, I think, dissecting yeah. it all. But I love yeah. the path that, that we're beginning to talk and loving your neighbor. Uh, Destiny, so we, we had a chance to talk this last week. And we, I think we ended up talking for about an hour over Zoom, getting ready for today's conversation. We're not going to take an hour. We, we've only got 30 minutes here. But uh, what, one of the things I wanted to land on is there is a passage in Revelation. It talks about everyone before the throne room of Christ. And we're all before the throne of Christ. We are bowing before Jesus. And it specifically says everyone from nation, tribe, language, people are bowing before Christ, laying their crowns down before him and worshiping him together. And what you see is this very powerful image of people all over the world in perfect equality and love um, and yet submission to Jesus and glorifying Jesus. In the end, we know that reconciliation will happen. And we know as followers of Christ, we are called to reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So, Destiny, let's dive into this conversation. How do we as a believer right now begin to embrace the journey of racial reconciliation? Yeah, so... Um I love that scripture because it's, 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 our, it's our ultimate hope, right? Like this is the vision that we have as believers is that one day what God is saying is true. There are going to be no more sorrow and tears and injustice and that he will hear and answer all of our prayers for the cries of our hearts for justice, um, for things to be made right. Like that's a part of our human identity that we see things that are wrong and we want to make it right. Like that's a part of who we are. And so God is actually answering that prayer. Um, and I think the beautiful part about reconciliation is that it's something that we can take part in right now. It's not something that we have no. to wait for, for heaven to come, but we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. This is our hope. This is our identity as believers. And so what does it look like for us to walk in that identity? It really starts with, um, it starts with being honest. 
I think, so there's an amazing quote by Jamar Tisby. Um, he says, there can be no reconciliation without repentance. And there can be no repentance without confession. And there can be no confession without truth. And so oftentimes in these conversations, we want to get to, let's just be unified. Let's just forget everything. Let's just forget all of our differences. Let's forget all of the things that are happening in our heart. And let's just jump to being unified. But we can't be unified if we don't go through the process of actually ins inspecting what's going on in our hearts, being honest about what has happened in our communities, being honest about what's happened in the church over the last four to five centuries, yeah. right? And so we have to be honest. And so I think what does it look like for us as believers to join in on this conversation is to first start with really taking a look back, taking a look back at what the early church truly was, which is a multi-ethnic body of believers. From the very beginnings of scripture, you look through all, all the scriptures, looking at it in context, you're seeing people from all nations that are involved in this hope, in this life that Jesus Christ is bringing to the world. You see some of the earliest churches popping up in Africa before a slave ship ever planted sail. And so you're seeing that this, the faith that you have, the faith, the family of believers that we're involved in is a multi-ethnic group of people with differences and cultural differences and different backgrounds from the very beginnings. Mm. And it didn't look like a European sort of Jesus. It looked like true Middle Eastern Jesus, you know? Like this is the hope that we have is that he looks just like us. He's walking and talking and believing just like us. And his followers look just like us, right? And so the beauty of that is now we get to understand what has happened. What is, what is our true faith? What is it grounded in? And then from there, looking at being honest around what has our American church done, right? And so for me... I'm not a part of the church in India. I'm not a part of the church in Europe. I'm not a part of the church in Africa or Asia. I'm a part of this church. And we here, as a, now living here in Fort Lauderdale, are a part of this church. And so we have to understand for ourselves what has happened in the history of the church here in America and the compromises that we've made. And speak the truth in love around really what have we done? What has happened? How do we take this loving God, this loving Jesus, who really loves all people that look just like us, but decided that we should take that Jesus and turn him into a God of our own that sought benefit of one person over the other, that sought to seek damage and, and, and harm and violence against other people. The Bible has been used and Christians have done a lot of harm. And if we're not honest, we become hypocritical Christians, become hypocritical people just like the Israelites, saying that they did no wrong. And so I think the beauty of this is that the beauty of the gospel is that he set us free. He set us free from this past already. And so we can walk in truth and honesty about this is what the history has been. And this is the compromises that we've made throughout slavery, throughout the time of Jim Crow laws. Where Honestly, there were people on Sunday services that were sitting next to people getting lynched. Right? Like, this is the true history of how our Christians, how our family members have responded to other brothers and sisters in the faith, to other people made in the image of God. And so we have to start with the understanding of people are made in the image of God and how have we diverged from that. And then from that place, we can truly walk in repentance. We can walk in humility that says, man, sometimes we have done some really messed up things, right? Like 1 John 1 says that if you claim that you're without any wrongdoing, you're calling God a liar. And so the beauty of that is that if we confess our sins, if we confess the wrong that we've done, we walk in this confession, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Then we can, he gives us then his righteousness, which is to then walk 
in love with other people. Righteousness is right doing with both God, with yourself, and with other people. That's what righteousness is. It's the right doing. And so we get an opportunity to now walk in righteousness with other people to correct the wrongs that have happened. And not only that, but now walk in freedom and join hands with one another to live out the life that God has called us to live, the calling that we've been received, is to really do justice, to walk humbly with God, and to love to love God, to love one another. Um, and so I think really, um, I love that quote because it does start with, we have to walk in the truth of what's happened, walk in the truth of ourselves, really take a deep look, and be repentant in our own hearts. And then from there, move from a place of love, move from a place of freedom, move from a place of our new identity in Christ, is that we are unified, that we are one body. And so what does it look like to pursue that as one body? And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes it doesn't look fun. It's not going to be a very like nice, easy picture. One of the songs that we sang earlier was that this is a narrow road. This is a narrow road, and so it's hard. Some of these things are hard, and not everyone will follow in that, in these footsteps of Jesus, which is a radical love. So we have to understand what this radical love looked like and then walk in this truth. Um, and so I think the ministry of reconciliation, it, it's not an easy conversation no, to not. have. And it's not something that, you know, it's like, oh, it's going to be fun. And like, we're just going to be unified. You know, it's like, no, we've done some harm to people and we're still doing harm to people. 2020 was the hardest year for me in my faith mm -hmm. because I sat with Christians that told me, that we shouldn't talk about justice, that that wasn't a part of the church, that that was a social issue and that God didn't care about it. Mm -hmm. And so that for me is not the God of the Bible. And so this is a conversation that we have to have because we have to start with what is true and what's truly in the scriptures, this God of love, this God of righteousness, this God of wholeness, where we can join together. But sometimes we have to deal with the harms that we are doing to one another, the harms that we've done in the past, and it's what we're still doing. Whether we know it or not, right? Can we just take a moment and give it up for Destiny really quick? Because that was a, that was a powerful sermon in five minutes. Now I now I only have a hundred questions to go from here, right? So, uh, one of the things that was very much on my heart to share today is you, if you look at Scripture and you look at who Jesus is and what Jesus has called and asked us and commanded us to do. Um, and I could just go back. It's very, very simple, but it's funny how we deviate in different ways in different times throughout history. And in general, when the Bible gives you a line to walk, it's very important as a believer not to deviate from that line. And which is a bummer for all of us because all Christians have sinned after they've gotten saved. I'm sure it's possible to not sin after you get saved. I've just never met a believer that's ever done that. And, but when the Bible gives us lines and gives us directions to go down, when we deviate from what he said, we create damage in our lives and the lives of others. And that is one of the results of sin or leaving or missing the mark of what he says. We begin to create damage in our own life, our own mind, and then ultimately the lives of others. And so if you, if you look at what he said, love your neighbor, you cannot use and abuse or own your neighbor and love your neighbor at the, at the same time. It becomes inconsistent with Scripture. I cannot look at someone, and in, 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 like in our now context, I, I cannot look at someone and say, well, I, know, I have no grace for your opinion. I cannot love my neighbor and have no grace for their journey or what their past or what they've walked through because that, that wouldn't be love. 
So, so many times in my own life, I, I ask myself, well, what would love look like? And, and, and 1 Corinthians starts defining it, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. And all I have to start asking is if what I see out in the world, well, that wasn't very patient, that wasn't very kind on social media, that wasn't very grace-giving. And so I start asking myself these very fundamental questions, you know, what does it look like for me to follow Christ in this position and begin to love my neighbor? Um, the other thing, I wanted to add a scripture from 1 John. Um, first, it's very interesting how clear this is. And verse 15, he said, anyone hates a brother or sister, uh, they're a murderer, and no murderer has eternal life residing in him. That's such a powerful, uh, hardcore scripture. Sometimes the scriptures are really, really cute. Um, they really are. They're like, oh, that was really cute, Jesus. Thanks for the encouragement. And sometimes the Bible says some things that are, that are really in your face, um, that, that make you wrestle through what the Bible is saying, because not everything is a, is a cute encouragement in scripture. Um, and the Bible's pretty clear. It's like, if I, if I have hate in my heart for someone else, um, the Bible says I don't have the love and life of God in me. Uh, that's a pretty clear thing. So the Bible's saying I can't hate somebody else and then say I, I, I love God because, men they're made in the image of God. And, and, uh, and particularly when things get toxic in the world, I think it's easy for all of us to, to start really struggling with that hate. Um, it's easy to become the thing you hate, uh, especially in the modern era. So I, I think it's interesting, and I, I, I remind myself of scriptures like these because I want to hold a line of love. And I think it's very important for the church right now to hold a line of love. And, and I'll say this about reconciliation, then we'll go on to the next thing, because I, I can't believe we're challenging so much time already. But I, I want to talk work locally here because uh, there's so much here. Um, the church has a very messy past with this in the Western world. And what I mean by that is, is you had people use Christianity to justify slavery, and then you had a group of Christians working very hard to end slavery. So while it's not necessarily that I want the glory to go to the white people that did end slavery, I do want the glory to go to the Gospels. But I'm, sometimes what I'm hearing now in our generation is like, well, Christianity is all evil. And I'm like, well, hold on. It's also because of Christianity, slavery ended for the first time in human history. Because yeah. all nations and all peoples throughout the last thousands and thousands of years, we've had slavery. But because of the Gospels, slavery came to an end. So I want everyone in the modern era to also be reminded, because of the words of Christ, it compelled a number of people to work very, very hard to end the injustice, as just as it should compel all of us in the modern church to work very, very hard to move toward reconciliation and love. Can I get an amen? amen. And so while no one is like accusing anyone of any sin today, it is everyone's call to move toward loving my neighbor and reconciling and pursuing peace. Amen. Can I just speak so, to that too? Of course, yeah, like, of course, yeah. I think that's like a beautiful part of the gospel is that because of this new identity that we have in Christ, we have power. Yes. We're not held in chains to any of this. We're not held in chains to this. Like we have real power and a real call, real purpose in our lives where we can actively now walk toward loving one another. We actually have the power to do that. It's actually living inside of us to do that. And so I think that's the beauty of this is that reconciliation is possible because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Like some of the major people in the faith, as you were saying, some of the people that founded the civil rights movement, right, saw it in their faith that what was happening in the world was inconsistent with the God that they knew, the God of the scriptures. And so it's so important for us to go back to the truths of the gospel, knowing the gospel, knowing 
the Bible, understanding who God is in his character, because that transforms everything. This love that he's given us, this new identity that he's given us, who he's called us to be, it transforms everything, transforms us, and then we can then be used in the world to transform the world. And so that's what's happened throughout history. That's why we see so much of the gains. That's why I can be sitting here with y'all today, right? Like, we can be in the same room together and not be divided because of the beauty and the power of Christ. And so that's the ministry that we have. That's the identity that we have. So apart from anybody else in the world, the church has the true answer. Amen. And so we can use that. Amen. We can use that. The church has the true answer. And so you have everything you need already within you because of the power of Christ residing in you to do this work, to transform the world, to change the injustices that you see. We have that power. And you've seen it throughout history. Now we're just walking in the good cloud of witnesses, right, that we get to now join them in this work that they've been doing. So be encouraged about that. Amen. That's good. What can we do locally? Yeah. I, I'm always humbled that we get to lead a church uh, that represents so many different nations. And I, I feel like the Holy Spirit has helped us so much through the years mm-hmm. build the church the way that he wants it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's some work that we can do locally? What are you involved in? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love... I love some of the stuff you're doing, Smash and and Campaign. So what what do you see specifically locally? How do we, in the next five, ten years, move the needle a little bit together? Yeah, so I think, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, I think, first and foremost, this is a great homework question, because your neighbors know. Your neighbors, your community knows exactly what's going on. And so a part of this work is also, first, being humble enough to listen to your neighbors. Actually go talk to people in your community and see what they're dealing with and join alongside their issues. Join alongside and carry their burdens. So that's number one. Because I can't start anything without the community first, right? We have to know exactly what they're doing and what's going on. What are your communities facing? And then secondly, I think on a more general scale, there's a lot of work to be done. Like you can join the end campaign. Um, But also, um, I work with an organization called Catalyst Miami. We do a lot of policy and advocacy work. Um, Also around housing justice, right? Someone here mentioned like the rates of rent here in Miami are too high, right? They are way too high. People in histories and stories are being displaced and our legacies are being lost in this community. And so we have to do things around housing affordability. So there's an organization that I work for, Catalyst Miami. There's also SMASH as well that works on co-ops and community land trusts and restoring ownership back into communities' hands of the land. That way they can keep their homes, they can keep their stories, their histories, their legacies here, planted in this community. And so you can join onto organizations like SMASH, that are also tackling issues of slumlords and rising rents, um, and again, community governance and ownership. Um, you can join if you're interested in things like climate, right? Like sea levels are rising, and that's a big part of gentrification even, where people are now moving from the beach area now inland, right? And so that then begins to begin displacing people. And so what does it look like to even join in on issues of climate change, right? You can join Miami Climate Alliance um, that are seeking to do issues around climate justice um, and helping with affordability as well. Um, So there's tons of organizations. Those are just three that I'm involved in. Um, But feel free, like after this, um, you can feel free to connect with me. I can share more, um, you know, organizations and things that are in the community that are needing support and needing your assistance. Um, But first and foremost, I really think it is just getting together with your neighbors, going to commissioner meetings, going to community meetings, figuring out who's making decisions in your community and are they affecting the most vulnerable people? How are they affecting them? But it's really taking the time and taking the work to just get to know your neighbors, get to know your people and their issues and go out and figure out 
who's making decisions on those things. So it's a little bit of a homework that I give to you guys. I give it back. Mm-hmm. You know, I give the, I give the question back to you. What is work being done? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> you know, it's good. So. Uh, also, too, one last plug. If you if you're really stirred today, joining her lift group would be a great next step for you. Also, you wrote an ebook. Tell us a little I bit about did, that. Uh, how can we get that, etc. And yeah. that'd be a good ongoing education thing for them so yeah so i did write an ebook all on it's a resource and toolkit guide basically around racial reconciliation justice in the church how you can get involved um and just some of the it's like honestly a toolkit um where if you're like i don't even know how to talk to this about my uncle i don't know how to talk to this about my neighbor like you want to have conversations with people um you just want to learn and grow yourself you want to learn more about the issues that of, of racial injustice in america or here in south florida you can find the ebook um Online, you can go to my website, irradiantjoy.me, and there's a link there um, that you can go ahead and check out the ebook. You also get a discount if you put in City Lift um, as your promo code. Um, but yeah, so it has a ton of resources, a ton of different sources that are also free in, in condition in, in addition to the ebook that are linked in there. So whether it's things like the Jude 3 projects, if you're more interested in about apologetics around racial justice. Um, there's tons of different resources. So there's ways to get involved, um, and the ebook is there for your support. Awesome. Awesome. One more time, would you guys give it up for Destiny this morning, giving up her time to be with us? And uh, again, it's always humbling for us as a, as a church to keep this conversation going. Destiny, would you pray for us as yeah, we close today? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for your love that covers a multitude of sins, for your love that empowers us, for your love that, that just goes out into the world and makes all things new again. And so, God, we're just thankful for your empowerment. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit. We're thankful for um, just the ability that you've given us to love one another, to live rightly with you, to join arms and to link hands with our communities. God, I pray for our communities that you would continue to shine light into the darkness, that you would continue to share this message of hope and of life all across South Florida, God, that we have hope in Jesus and that you will bring justice and truth to your world. And so, God, we just thank you and we pray that you would just continue to empower us, allow us to continue to look inwardly and look deeply at your word and allow it to just transform our hearts and give us the power we need to move in life and in love to love on the people around us. So, God, we thank you and we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.